Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to the Dogs Program, ladies and gentlemen. It's good to have your company again. Yes, the fanfare to the common man. Um, that's what we play every week because common men, women and every... and oh, Actually, we're talking about cats before. Common everything is what we're about. We are the dogs. We are the defenders of government schools. Um, we have to defend government schools because they're under attack and we have to do it on 3CR because we're a community radio station. And that's about the only place you're going to hear the stuff that we're going to be telling you over the next hour. Um, we're going to be telling you all sorts of stuff. Some of it's going to be a bit shocking. Some of it's going to be a bit worrying. Some of it's going to be a bit hopeful. And we like to mix it up, of course. We like to talk about great state schools around the country, and we'll be talking about that at the end of the program. We like to always finish on something nice. But um, since the federal election in Australia, things have got, got quite dire, actually, and are likely to get worse for state schools before they get better. So we need to highlight the aspects of what's going on around Australia when it comes to educational policy. And all of those children, 60% or more of the kids in Australia who are in state schools who are being done over by the various people who are supposed to be in charge of them. Um, and I'm not talking about the teachers, I'm talking about the pollies. Uh, no, we don't, there's, there's no teacher bashing here as far as I'm concerned on the dogs. If you're willing to get in front of a bunch of kids and have a go and you don't care about the colour of their skin and you don't care about their gender and you don't care about their sexuality, what you care about is teaching them and having them learn to be good people into the future. If you're that sort of teacher, then um, you're probably the sort of person that should be listening to us. If you do care about all those things, obviously um, you like segregating children, which is what functionally the private school system does here in Australia, which is something we think is wrong. Uh, You shouldn't do that in a civilised country. And so we're here on the community radio to fight against people who think those ideas are good ideas. Um, Jean, who always comes up with a very interesting press release, will be talking to us about the various people who defend private education on the basis of what they would call the free market. Competition is always good, and if you apply the principles of competition to education, then you get a good result. Um, As far as we're concerned, that's just a load of rubbish, and um, Jean's going to highlight all sorts of important reasons why um, talking about these ideas is quite dangerous. That is, free marketeers and education all in the same breath. We'll be going around the houses too. When I say the houses, I mean the planet, because these education problems aren't just in Australia. Um, they're in America and England as well. And we'll be highlighting similar problems in, in other places around the world. Um, but I think at the heart of our show today is a couple of things. Firstly, um, we're going to be highlighting some really good work being done in a particular school, which, I'll, which I won't tell you yet. I'll hold it as a surprise, but we have a really great state school later in the, in the program. I'd like to tell you about the things they're actually doing on the ground. But um, Trevor Cobalt at the Save Our Schools organisation up in Canberra has come up with some very, very, very detailed research. 
And um, he has, and I think it's useful for us here at 3CR to actually talk and think about this. He's come up with a very, which I find very interesting paper called The Facts About School Funding in Victoria. Just the facts about school funding in Victoria. And here on 3CR, I think this needs a bit of airtime because it's actually quite shocking. And we'll be sharing you, sharing with you all these things um, after this. But, of course, we have to, before we go any further, we've got to have Jean's famous press release. Press release number 700 and what, Jean? 99. Whoa! Almost up to 800. Right, okay, 799. Tell us all about it. Yes, uh, press release 799. Espinosa versus Montana Department of Revenue. What is that? That's right. It's a law case. It's a legal case. Oh, that's because you're a lawyer, isn't it? No, this case could break the wall between church and school in America. So it's a pretty important case. And in the last summer, over there in the United States, the United States Supreme Court has decided that they are going to hear this case. There was a question of it even getting to the Supreme Court, but it's there. And their decision, and remember that it's that the Supreme Court in America is now stacked with um, Republican appointees, will have huge repercussions for public education. Now, to grasp why this case matters and why it's coming up now, there are two pieces of background that we in Australia and people in America also need to understand. And these... Um, pieces of information are actually relevant for Australia. We'll be talking about voucher systems, but we in fact have an extensive voucher system here in Australia. Every private school child is actually worth more as a voucher from the public purse than state school children at the current time. But not so in America. But they have what they call tax credit scholarships. This is a very interesting taxation um, arrangement. Tax credit scholarships are another variation on a school voucher program. With vouchers, a family picks the school it wants to attend and the state hands that child's share of education funding to that school. The problem is that when a family chooses a religious school, that can run afoul of the separation of church and state in general. And what are known as the Blaine Amendment Laws in particular. Now what are these Blaine Amendment Laws? The Blaine Amendment was a failed constitutional amendment that prohibited spending tax dollars on sectarian schools. But 38 states in America actually adopted it for their own constitution and it fits in with the wall of separation between church and state in the American constitution. And of course the dogs believe that this wall of separation of church and state also was the intention of the founding fathers when they put section 116 into the constitution of Australia. But the tax credit scholarships do an end and run around the wall of separation. A business or a wealthy individual gives a contribution to a special scholarship organisation that then hands out scholarships to private schools. The state lets the business or the wealthy individual count that contribution as some or all of their tax liability. 
So it's a taxation scam in, on behalf of private schools. Think of it this way. I'm the state and you owe me $100. I'm not allowed to gamble, but if you give that $100 to my bookie instead, I'll consider us square. Rules vary from state to state. In Georgia, for example, contributors can actually turn a profit on a tax credit scholarship donation. But one feature is constant. Whatever money is fed into the taxation credit scholarship represents money subtracted from state revenue. This, it should also be noted, is the model for Betsy DeVos's proposed Education Freedom Scholarships. And in all cases, these are vouchers dressed up with fancy accounting. Here in Australia, we don't even have to have the fancy accounting. The private schools have just got their cotton-picking fingers into the state and federal treasuries to the tune of billions of dollars. It's a bit more complicated in America, isn't it, listeners? Now, the next thing that needs to be understood is another case about a church parking lot in Missouri. This was the case of Trinity Lutheran versus Coma. The case seems like small potatoes. A church in Missouri wanted to apply for public monies grant to help resurface its playground. It was disqualified because it's a church. The case ended its five-year trek to the Supreme Court in 2017 and Chief Justice Roberts said, The exclusion of Trinity Lutheran from a public benefit for which it is otherwise qualified solely because it is, church, is, it is a church is odious to our Constitution and cannot stand. This was a big deal because, as Bloomberg noted, it's the first time... The court has used the free exercise clause of the Constitution to require a direct transfer of taxpayers' money to a church. In other words, the free exercise, that is that people have freedom uh, of religion, uh, has trumped the establishment clause which separates church from state. And this was created precisely to stop government money going for religious purposes. Now, some of the majority tried to rein in the implications of this case by noting that it was a ruling strictly about playground resurfacing. And Justices Gorsuch and Thomas, however, indicated they believed that discriminating against religious practices was not okay on the playground or anywhere else. So you've got a number of precedents and the justices on the High Court ready to open the floodgates to religious schools. Meanwhile, in Montana, and this is the case that is now before the court, Montana's legislature tried to get a voucher foot in the door with the Montana Tax Credit Scholarship Program, which allowed a not very staggering tax credit of $150. There was just one problem. The Montana Department of Revenue wouldn't implement the program, claiming that it broke the law. The Montana Supreme Court agreed that the tax credit benefited religious schools and therefore broke the rules. The case has found its way very quickly to the Supreme Court 
and the long list of very conservative and religious school choice fans filing amicus briefs, that's amicus curiae, that is, to get into the court to put their case, lets us know just how some people are hoping the Supreme Court will reverse Montana's own High Court. Cato Institute's one, EdChoice, Christian Legal Society, Liberty Justice Centre, Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty, Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, the Georgia Gold Scholarship Program, the Alliance for Choice in Education and former Governor Scott Walker are among the many who have been urging SCOTUS to take this case and run with it. The case matters because it could extend the Trinity Lutheran notion that free exercise beats the Establishment Clause. And the case matters because it could open the door wide to the use of public tax dollars for private religious schools, which to date have been very difficult. It's been a difficult thing to do for the religious schools to get their cotton-picking fingers into the states and federal treasuries. The court could also drive a stake through the heart of voucher programs aimed at shutting public funds to private religious schools, no matter how clever and convoluted the voucher scheme may be. That last possibility seems less likely because, as with many issues beloved by the right, this is an issue that may be facing the friendliest court in many, many decades. And this is definitely one case to watch for the summer. So uh, I thought our people would be interested in that because, as you know, the Dogs case in 1981 really opened the floodgates along with the Labor Party's needs program uh, for the current situation that we have in private and public funding in Australia. Thank you very much, Jean. When Jean says our people, by the way, that's you. Well, that's you, dear listeners, um, because you're the ones that support us, and certainly we really do thank your support for Radiothon a few, a few weeks ago. Um, we were successful in, our, in raising our target, which is just a wonderful thing for us, and it's a wonderful thing for 3CR. If, however, you have pledged some money um, to the Radiothon and you haven't yet, um, haven't yet um, got around to coughing up, now's a good time. Um, if you've got the money, if you don't, stave off a week. But um, we certainly um, do appreciate your support. So as I say, when Jean says, our people, um, that's you. And thank you. Don't panic. There is a planet B. Come along to a sparkling night of progressive comedy at Green Left Weekly's annual comedy debate. Join Masters of Ceremonies, Rod Quantock with Sean Bedlam, Duff, Fiona Scott-Norman, Hellchild, Kirsty Mack and Tom Tanuki. Tickets are $50 Solidarity, $30 Regular, $22 Low-Waged and $12 Concession. There'll be a bar and the opportunity to buy a delicious dinner. Friday the 26th of July, 6.30pm at the Brunswick Town Hall. Don't panic, there is a Planet B, a fundraiser for the radical newspaper Green Left Weekly. Bookings are essential, phone 9639 8622 or go to trybooking.com forward slash BDHTX. Green Left Weekly is a 3CR supporter.
Victoria's roadside drug testing program is not about road safety. In last year's governmental inquiry into drug law reform, it was noted that Victoria's RDT program is falling behind on latest evidence regarding impairment. Currently, Victoria Police can charge people for detection of either cannabis, amphetamines or MDMA. But those detections do not correlate with impairment. Impaired drivers should be removed from the roads and that's why we're urging an inquiry into Victoria's RDT scheme to ensure that the resources that are currently employed to make our roads safer are being properly used to make our roads safer. Help us refocus road safety onto what makes roads safe. Sign the e-petition parliament.vic.gov.au forward slash council forward slash petitions and look for the Inquiry into Drug Driving Reform, Petition 117. A 3CR supporter.
to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial and podcast on the WWWs. Um, look, there's been a really interesting book that's just been written. Peter Green um, has reviewed it. The book's written by Anand Gerharadis, and it's called, get this, Winner Takes All, The Elite Charade of Changing the World. It's a fascinating book. Um, I don't want to talk about it too much because Dale, I think, would like to share it with us because it's some fascinating ideas, and there's nothing we like here on the Dogs Program more than discussing ideas. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, this is uh, from Diane Ravitch's blog. So obviously she's read the book and uh, taken quite a few, uh, well, recognised a lot of uh, similar sentiments that she expresses in the book. Uh, So um, I'll just read a little bit about uh, what Diane says. She says, uh, every so often you come across a book that unpacks and reframes a part of the universe in a way that you you can never unsee. Winners Take All by Anand Giridharadas has been a book like that for me. Giridharadas is writing about the elite charade of changing the world. And while he is talking in taking a broad look at the way the betters are trying to influence our country and our world, the connections to education reform are unmistakable. Uh, there are just so many uh, quotes from this book that if you're interested, she suggests you try finding it. So it's called uh, Winners Take All, The Elite Charade of the Changing World. The elite assumption is that the system that put them on top, the game that they are the winners of, is fair and just and unrigged and not in need of being changed in any major ways. They are not part of the problem and they are hurt that you would even suggest that that was true. They are simply just the winners in a meritocratic system. So the solutions they will propose meet a couple of standards. One, it will include no challenge to the fundamentals of the current system. Two, the elites will be in charge because their eliteness is proof of their fitness to run the show. Three, it will harness entrepreneurial energy, i.e. someone else is going to make money from it. And four, it will hand most of the blame, scratch that, responsibility to the people on the bottom who are being rescued. The fingerprints of this mindset are all over education reform. The very notion, popular and bipartisan among the betters, that education is the fix for everything. All the socioeconomic inequity in the country can be solved not by looking at the system that created that inequality, that inequity. In fact, we're not even going to admit that system had any hand in creating the inequity. No, the system is swell. The winners are the people who are at the top and got there by hard work and wisdom and meritocratic excellence. So no, we don't need to look at that system. We just need the people on the bottom to get themselves better education so that they can win the game too. Think Bill Gates deciding that he needs to rewrite and standardise public education and will have to circumvent, subvert and co-opt the actual government to do it. Nobody elected him the Grand Poobar of US education, but he's perfectly comfortable appointing himself to the job. Think the deification of business standards in education reform and the notion that the free market will fix the system, that we will know which ideas are working best because they will seed they will succeed in the market. Think Eli Broad's assertion that schools don't have an education problem, but a business management problem. 
think the repeated notion that democracy is a problem in education. We need to get rid of all elected school boards and we need to give school leaders the kind of freedom that an all-powerful CEO has to create his vision. In education reform, local control and the democratic processes are to be avoided. Think the constant rejection of expertise. Reformsters don't need to talk to teachers. What do teachers know? If they are really such great shakes, why aren't they rich? I've succeeded at the game and the same wisdom that made me a winner at the game will will apply to fixing education. No other sort of wisdom are necessary. The huge irony of this book, which excoriates the elites and the billionaires who pretend to save the world by privatising it, is that one of the blurbs is written by Bill Gates. He, or more likely someone in his office, wrote, In Anand's thought-provoking book, his fresh, fresh perspective on solving complex societal problems is admirable. I appreciate his comments and dedication to spreading social justice. This is a book that lambastes the likes of Gates. So why did he endorse it? Diana asks. Yes, indeed. Anybody who watches um, our politicians at the moment are being told that we mustn't talk about class warfare and various other things, that uh, the elites are fine and uh, our politicians representing these elites are even finer. (laughs) Um, Yes, it it makes a great deal of sense. Meanwhile, Meanwhile, there are teachers who are trying to help our children in our public schools, which is tremendous. Yeah. Oh, well, you listen to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM Dolan podcast on the WWWs. Um, we'll be back after this. 3CR are selling kefir, Palestinian scarves in support of the last factory that produces them in Hebron, Palestine. All profits will be donated to the reconstruction efforts in Gaza and support Palestinian industry. These are traditional scarves available in red and black, or you can choose from a modern design. Go to 3cr.org.au slash shop to buy online or drop into the station during business hours. This is our country. We've never forgotten where we've come from. Or who we are. We keep our culture strong. Now it's time to come together. Talk as equals. And write our own future. This is our country. And this is our time. Treaty. It's time. Enroll now for the First People's Assembly of Victoria election. Authorised by the Victorian Treaty Advancement Commission, Melbourne. Yeah, get involved in the Victorian Treaty Assembly. That sounds really interesting. Um, you listen to the dogs. We are the defenders of government schools. We've been around the houses today. Jean's press release, very detailed and I think very interesting, and I hope, I hope you'd have thought so as well. Because in America, they have this concept of separation of religion from the state, and it means that it becomes complicated for taxpayers' money to go to religious institutions for religious purposes. Um, complicated doesn't mean impossible, as Jean's saying, and there's all sorts of argue about it. I don't want to get back into it. But here in Australia, we don't have that. Um, here in Australia, we don't have that problem. We just give money to religious institutions for religious purposes willy-nilly. Um, and the, by far the largest amount of money that goes from my pocket um, into various religious institutions is for their education systems. 
um, in Australia. We have two separate private education systems, both of which have a religious foundation, one of which um, has a very obvious religious foundation. It's called the Catholic school system, um, the clue's in the name. Um, and the other one is the independent school system. Um, the clue's not in the name. It's actually the dependent school system. That's pretty much every other religion or group together that's not Catholic that want money from the government. They have a little office up there in West Melbourne. I get the money, and we, the taxpayers, fund their schools. Now, and their administration. And their administrations and their bureaucracies. It's a very and expensive and inefficient system. Yes. Um, now, Trevor Cobalt, as I promised earlier in the program, has done a detailed um, analysis of money when it comes to the funding of these three systems in Victoria. Um, he's done it over two time periods. The first one's from 2007 to 2013 and the second one's from 2014 to today. Now, they broadly encompass the sort of pre- and post-Gonski ideas. Do you remember Gonski? 1.0, 1. 1.2, 2.03, I don't even know anymore. Um, they don't even talk about the needs re- rhetoric anymore. No, well, not, they don't need to. Uh, they don't need to. But the facts are stark. And the facts come out. The facts actually just speak for themselves. And I know we live in a world where people don't really like talk, listening to scientists because, you know, we don't like to be told what to do. You know, experts, experts telling them, experts are arrogant. And I don't listen to arrogant people. So you don't listen to scientists when they talk about the climate and you don't listen to facts when it comes to education funding. However, it's still good to have them because there are some people who like to, who like to have an understanding about what the situation is. And I'm going to make an assumption um, that if you're listening to me right now, you have a desire to find out what's going on. You follow the money. Indeed. As Trevor Cabell wrote on the, on, actually on the 3rd of July, he said, Total government funding per student in Victorian private schools, adjusted for inflation, that is the real funding increase, um, it actually increased by over $1,500 a year per student between 2009 and 2017. I'm just going to say that again. Total government funding per student in Victorian private schools, private schools only, increased by over $1,500 per year per student between 2009 and 2017. While funding for kids in public schools over the same period of time was cut. Government funding of public schools increased during the Gonski period from 2013 to 2017, but it was significantly less than the increase for private schools. That is to say, between 2009 and 2013, the government just cut back on state schools on state schools massively, and then they gave a little bit back during the Gonski period, but still well behind the eight ball. However, the Commonwealth Government up there in Canberra, their funding increases massively favoured private schools all the way through from 2009 to 2017. Now, the Victorian Government cut real funding to public schools by 6.8% per student between 2009 and 2013. That adds up to, and I can tell you the number, 530 bucks. It increased real funding in the Gonski period, but not sufficiently to offset the, the earlier cut. So they gave some money when Gonski was sort of jumping up and down, but it didn't, it didn't make up for what they cut in the first place. And as a result, here in Victoria, I'm talking about you know, right here where I'm sitting, and maybe you're sitting too, or maybe you're overseas, I don't know. But here in Victoria, which is a state in, in Australia, 
Public schools had far human and material resources per student in 2017 than in 2009. I'll say that again. Things are worse now than they were about 10 years ago in state schools. They're just worse. And far less, far less than available in private schools here in Victoria. And yet enrolments are going up in public schools because parents can't afford to send their children to these selective sectarian private schools. It's a very interesting situation in Australia. Politically, I think you're going to get some sort of mismatch quite soon. Um, Look, Joe Cable says the government funding increases have been badly misdirected in favouring more privileged, better off school sectors and better off students. He, he mentions, and this, is, and this is an interesting, he's distilled these figures, and these are interesting figures because they're current. Over 80% of disadvantaged students in Victoria are in public schools. Mm. And nearly 90% of disadvantaged schools are public schools. So if you're talking about kids in need and doing things and doing proper good teaching work, um, state schools are the places you go to if you're going to do the teaching of students that need your skills because that's where they are. It's not surprising then that the OECD has discovered that Australian public school teachers are amongst the most innovative and enthusiastic adopters of new ideas and approaches to education, but they face higher workloads, fewer resources and more administration duties than global averages. So that's a new international report into teaching conditions done by the OECD. Yep. Oh, no. Anyone who says other problems the teachers is just, <laughs> just wrong. Kevin Donnelly can actually stop his teacher bashing for a while. Oh, just a bit. Because there's another figure here which just goes to show that that is exactly not the problem. When you look at the total income for schools in 2017, just a couple of years ago, let me tell you about what's going on in Victoria. The total income per student in a Victorian independent school is nearly double that of a student in a public school. That is, the income of the parents at home is double. So if you're talking about a class system or even a caste system... Oh, you're not allowed to speak about this, according to Mr Morrison and company. um, And even the Labor Party. Double, double, nearly double that of a public school. Catholic schools, um, 21% higher in terms of parental income per student. The total income of public schools per student in Victoria is 12000 $968 of taxpayers' money, which I am very happy to pay. Mm. The total income for an independent school per student isn't $12,968. It's $24,161. That's the median income, Jane. Dale, that's the median income. There's lots of schools more than that. So a public school... 12900 an independent school, $24,161, goes into the education of that child in that school. Now, that includes parental fees, it includes all, all, all that sort of stuff, but that's the amount of money. That is, that is ridiculous. That's, that's wasted money. You don't need that. You need about $15,000 to educate a secondary child to a, a good standard. You don't need 24. Well, Catholic schools... In Catholic schools, the total income 
that, that, that is spent on a child in the Catholic schools isn't 12968 It's actually $16,000. So the money that's being spent on these kids, the difference in the money being spent on a kid in a public school and a private school are now just a little bit embarrassing. People who say that, oh, private schools save you money. Oh, no, they don't. Whose money are they saving? I'll tell you whose money they're saving. They're saving the money of the people who run the schools. And do you know who runs the schools? The churches. The, the, the religious institutions. They are saving a great deal of money. Do you, know how much, do you know how much money a religious institution pays to run its school? Nothing. Nothing. There's no money going out. There's no money going out. In fact, there's a bit of money going in. But they can't pay their parsons. Oh, their I don't know. I, I don't I, I from the plate. Don't care, Jane. Uh, don't care. Sorry. The plate. The money's not coming in through the plate. I can tell you that. Um, well, I can tell you that from from my point of view, what goes on inside a church is not my business, and what goes inside someone's soul is not my business. I'm here talking about education policy. But let's do the breakdown because this is for me. These these figures are damning. These figures are just facts. And it says, oh no, private education saves us money. No, no, it doesn't. So between 2009 and 2017. The income disparity between public and private schools has got worse. So we haven't got better, we haven't learnt anything, we haven't done anything good. No, it's just got worse. The total real income per student in public schools fell by 1%, which is about $104 per student. But in Catholic schools, it increased by 20% over that time. So every child in a Catholic school between 2009 and 2017 has got an extra $2,500 off the bat from federal and state funding. And if you happen to be an independent school, between 2009 and 2017, the increase has actually been, again, $2,500. You just get more and more and more, unless you're in a state school, when you get less. Now, this is actually now a trend. This is an increasing income disparity in the 21st century when it comes to educating the kids of Australia, between public and private schools. And it's actually mainly due to Commonwealth funding increases for private schools the reduced funding of public funding by the Victorian government. Labor, Liberal, doesn't really matter. They take the money out from the states and they and the Commonwealth government gives more money to the private schools but not the state schools. And so in order to distract us from thinking about these things, we have to think about how to teach reading, whether it's by phonics or by looking at, at whole words, which is a non-issue. You do both. Why can't you do both? The old-timers, the teachers could tell you that. But Mr Tian wants to talk about phonics. I find it very sad indeed. I have to. Now, the question comes is why? Why? Why is this the case? Why, since 2009, has there been this increase in inequality? Because that's what it is, an increase in inequality. I think we'll talk about that next week, but quite frankly, quite functionally, these facts are damning in themselves. Now, from 2013 to 2017, so in, in that later period with the Gonski reforms, the inequality slowed down. So it sped up from 2009 to 2013 and it slowed down from 2014 to 2017. However, even over that time, private schools have increased their fees and increased their other income streams by more than the cost increases. So even while they're getting more money from the Commonwealth Government, even while they're getting more money from the State Government, they're now getting more money from the parents as well. So if that's the free market, 
doing the right thing by the kids of Australia, then um, I'll buy a hat and then I'll eat it. <laughs> You're listening to The Dogs Programme, the defenders of government schools. We'll be back after this.
What's up, listeners? This is Johnny Mac here. Just reminding everybody to tune in to 3CR at 11 a.m. each day from Monday, July the 8th to Friday, July the 12th for our special Beyond the Bars broadcast during NADOC. Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison project, giving voice to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates across Victoria. For more information, head to our website, 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. So make sure to listen in and support our brothers and sisters until they're home again. Not too late to donate. It's not too late to donate. It's not too late to donate to 3CR Radiothon 94198377 or check our website 3cr.org.au. Welcome back to the Dogs Program. Some Scholar Cantorum there. Lovely singing to calm us down. Look, I've got something that's both horrifying and amusing. Um, there's so much in the world that's horrifying and amusing all at the same time. Um, all sorts of things going on in America at the moment. <laughs> Military parades and tanks rumbling down Washington Boulevard. But in, in the UK, they're having this thing called Leadership Tussle. There's this bloke called Boris Johnson. Um, Boris Johnson's an interesting fellow. Um, and I just want to um, indicate perhaps in the, from, from the point of view of those people who are UK citizens and who have an active interest in this, the horrifying nature of what Boris, Boris Johnson's attitude to education is or are attitudes. I don't know if they're singular or plural, but I'm about to find out. Um, there's an article written by Fiona Miller and she says, I've only ever spoken to the Tory leadership contender Boris Johnson once. She says she was making a film for Channel 4 in the early noughties and wrote about it for the Spectator magazine which he, as he was at the time, editing. Naturally, we had a perfunctory conversation about education. His children had been at a primary school near where we, they were filming the, the thing that she was doing amid a lot of his trademark bluff and bluster. He admitted that sending them to a state secondary school was actually a step too far. What, so Boris Johnson has children. Yes. We've only heard about his girlfriend. Oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> Is this relevant, says, yeah. says, says Fiona? Oh, I think so. As depressing as to see two white public school boys. Now, when I say public school in, in the UK, that means um, grammar schools. That's actually private, yes, indeed. Um, two private school boys in the final for the Tory leadership where people send their children to school is actually more pertinent than a choice that... You know, parents made almost half a century ago. Now, nothing Johnson has said or done since suggests that he has an interest at all in state schools or cares deeply about social cohesion or equality. Quite the reverse. His words and deeds indicate that he is an out-and-out elitist. He doesn't even bother to put a gloss on his instincts. So if he wins, hold your hats. Now, Boris Johnson has taken up various peripheral courses, such as the importance of the classics, as Mayor of London, he had limited power but talked big about wrestling control over schools from Whitehall, which came to nothing. His 2012 memorial inquiry into education came up with a raft of proposals, including a London curriculum and a gold club for a select group of high-performing institutions. 
but, but had minimal impact apart from establishing various funds, one, ironically, funded by the EU, um, to support young people's projects and dissemination of subject knowledge. Inevitably, in the UK, he supported the Gove reforms, which were educational austerity. He pledged to open his own academies, opened Toby Young's West London Free School and defended Young when he was ousted from the Office of Students for offensive remarks on Twitter. Johnson's own now notorious comments about Muslim women, LGBT people, those from minority ethnic backgrounds and historic child sexual abuse would have most head teachers tasked with fighting extremism while promoting social cohesion, tolerance and safeguarding, recalling, of course, in horror. Mm. He is, of course, pro-grammar schools. His regard for selection was on full show when he delivered the 2013 Margaret Thatcher lecture in which he called about the violent economic centrifuge operating on human beings who are far from equal in raw ability, if not in spiritual worth. He went on, and this is, like, this is a quote just by the way, this is a, I, it's scary and hilarious. It's, it's just the epitome of privilege, isn't, isn't it? it? Listen to this stuff. He says, whatever you may think of IQ tests, it is surely relevant in a conversation about how equality, as many as 16% of our species have IQs below 85, whereas 2% have an IQ above 130. The harder you shake the pack, the easier it will be for some cornflakes to get to the top. Eugenics. Yeah. Yep. Now, given everything else we know about Boris Johnson, children as cornflakes is mm. no surprise. <laughs> More revealing, maybe, is that the entire contest for the Tory leadership is bereft of any interesting ideas for education. Surely one of the key levers for far-reaching societal change, millionaire underdog, ex-head boy of Charterhouse Jeremy Hunt, has little to say on the subject um, either. Millionaire underdog. underdog. <laughs> yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got it. You got it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, we're laughing here because <laughs> Jeremy. Anyway. Otherwise, we'll cry. Indeed. Coincidentally, the entire spectacle is taking place in the shadow of a gripping series about Margaret Thatcher, which is now showing in the UK. A blunt reminder that whether we like them or not, the Conservative Party once had politicians of huge political stature, determination, and vision who wanted to do things. Yes, well, I'm not going to sing the eulogy to Margaret Thatcher. Mm. But, yeah, I, I think it's a point. You've got Boris Johnson talking about children as cornflakes. So old Otinian Johnson may rise to the top of a stale box of cornflakes. <laughs> but in a school system heavily skewed in favour of the better off, his victory would have changed very little indeed. Yes, I think it's about time after. It makes you laugh, makes you cry. So much of the world these days. Look, can I tell you about a really great state school? I really want to. It's a cool one. Jean's going to have a big surprise when I tell you who it is after this. Every week on the Doctor Program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. State schools are great schools. School of the week. State school. School of the school. week. Great state schools. State, state schools. schools. School, school of the week. Schools. School for the week here on the Dogs Program. <laughs> Welcome back to the Dogs Program. We always like to finish on an update here. I'd like to tell you about a really great state school. Now, this state school, let me tell you all about it. Um, 85% of the kids in this school come from a language background other than English. 
I, I'm, I'm going to keep it as a surprise for Jean. That does say, What's cool? So tell me the school. I said, It's really cool. It's really cool. Um, about 75% of these kids come from the poorest half of families in Australia. About 5% of the kids in this school are actually Indigenous. It costs around about $15,000 per kid in this school to educate. It's a primary school. And the ICSIA value is about 9641, which is under 1,000. So it's a rough school. It's a tough school. They come from family backgrounds where you're not speaking English at home. And they are doing an amazing job. Now, this school, and maybe Jean can guess it, it's actually a multi-award winning school that's been providing challenging learning activities for students for over 150 years. It is situated in the southwestern suburbs of Sydney on a large leafy site filled with gardens, playing fields and open space. Now the school's total population um, has just most of the kids go to families where you're not speaking English at home. And they come from continents all over the world. Not just countries, continents all over the world. Belmore South. It is. It is Belmore South Public School. Yes, that's actually Jean's old school. So there you go. Now the school community these days is both diverse and harmonious. It's got a really hard-working parents and citizens organisation that is committed to supporting the student learning and the vision of the school these days. And you might be interested in this. You know how you have like schools, they have little, little sort of words over the top? Mm. Create the future. Mm. Create the future. And your aunt, my sister, was, um, was the headmistress there. She was indeed. So this is, this is, this is, this is a deeply interesting school. Um, the focus on learning, ensuring quality teaching practice and effectiveness is actually what the school's all about because they know what they're doing. They're taking the kids who don't speak English from families that don't have a lot of money and they are creating a future. They offer a challenging learning activities and they promote high achievement and they are a multi-award winning school. Now, what are the NAPLAN results like? Fine. Fine. They're great. Doesn't matter. Who cares? <laughs> That's not what this school is about. That is, as an aside, a good thing that happens along the way. But the high-quality professional staff are in, have over the years been, and you would know this because you went there, um, over, the, over the century, <laughs> are hard-working and enthusiastic. Mm. It actually has a reputation for being a leader in educational innovation and also is now, you'd be interested to know, a school where... Teachers come to learn how to teach. It's actually a demonstration school. Now, to ensure quality teaching and learning programs are delivered at all times, Belmore South staff are part of a wider professional learning community and have other school representatives regularly visit the school to see quality lesson demonstrations. So is this a great state school at Belmore South Public School in Belmore? Yes, it is. I cannot stress it strongly enough. I've actually been there myself over the years, truth to tell. In fact, I never went to the school, but I sort of hung around there with the kids, had a good time. <laughs> this, I, I could tell you about all the programs, the technology programs, the gemstones programs, the belonging and inclusion programs, the creative learning programs, the critical thinking programs, the communicating with others programs, the collaboration programs with both the community and other schools around the southwest of Sydney. I could talk about all of that, but I don't have time. Just take it from me, ladies and gentlemen. Belmore South, a great state school. This is our country. We've never forgotten where we've come from. Or who we are. We keep our culture strong. 
Now it's time to come together. Talk as equals. And write our own future. This is our country and this is our time. Treaty is time. Enroll now for the First People's Assembly of Victoria election. Well, that's the end of the dogs program. We've stopped defending government schools. For this week, we have to come back next week and do it again because the battle's not over. Um, look, if you are interested in what we've been talking about over the last hour, um, you can actually just check up on us. Please do. Argue with us. Agree with us. Find out more at our website, www.adogs.info. That's www.adogs.info. Now, if you know a great state school... Um, Call, call the radio station during business hours on 94198377. That's 94198377. And you can even do it anonymously. Because what we talk about here sometimes is quite radical and people get scared of associating with radical people who want to support state schools. Um, just, just drop the name. Just drop the name of the school. I'll do all the work and we can find out about another great state school around Australia. But until next week from us here at the Dogs Programme, from Jean, myself, Rob and Dale. It's bye for now. I dreamed I saw Joey last night Alive as you and me Says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead I never died, says he, I never died, says he. In Salt Lake City, Joe says I, him standing by my bed, they framed you on a murder charge, says Joe, but I'm dead, says Joe. Bosses killed you, Joe. They shot you, Joe, says I. Takes more than guns to kill a man, says Joe. I didn't die, says Joe. I didn't die. And standing there as big as life and smiling with his eyes. Says Joe, what they can never kill Went on to organize Went on to organize From San Diego up to Maine In every mine and mill Where workers strike and organize It's there you find your hill Joe, you're ten years dead.